Hello, I'm Mark Gagan, and this is the Voice of Insurance. The seeds for today's episode were sown at a meeting in Chicago in the early spring of 2019. I had been chairing a conference there and was making the most of the trip by visiting as many of the insurance people with their offices in the Windy City. So it was that I met today's guest for the first time over breakfast in the centre of town. It was a great meeting. My host was full of energy and incredibly excited over the prospects for the excess and surplus lines, ENS market. He was a real broker's broker and someone who leads from the front. I remember he had to break off our breakfast chat briefly to take a call relating to a placement that he was personally involved in. We had been waiting for the market to harden for over 15 years, and this was the first time a well-placed senior executive was sitting in front of me telling me it was finally starting. He explained that his organisation was gearing up for what he described as the dump that was on its way. The dump is when admitted lines carriers have had enough of losses and non-renew or dump the most unprofitable business en masse. This flow then finds its way into the only other available channel open to it, the ENS market. Tim Turner is the T in RT specialty, one of the largest and probably soon to be the largest wholesale broker in the biggest wholesale insurance market in the world. Given the size and scale of RT specialty and the wider RSG group which it belongs to, his view of the market can't be bettered. 18 months after that meeting and all of Tim's predictions have come to pass. And that's why I was really happy to be able to get a follow-up with him for The Voice of Insurance. With billions of dollars of deals running through his organisation, he is one of a very select band of people with a feel for how long the hardening market might last and how deep it will hit. As a major producer, his view also matters a huge amount to the major overflow wholesale markets of Bermuda and London. He's also great company and buzzing with energy. I highly recommend a listen to what he's got to say. Before we get started, I'm here with Rick Lindsay, Chairman of Prime Holdings and the CEO of Claims Direct Access, who have kindly supported this podcast. Rick, first, thanks so much for your support. Why don't you briefly tell us about the Prime Group and CDA and what they could do for our listeners? Sure. Prime Holdings is a holding company, and we're excited to expand our claims TPA service, Claims Direct Access, which is the exclusive claims manager for Prime Insurance Company and has managed claims for Lloyds since 1995 when we've been on the Lloyds line slip as a risk taker. So we plan on coming over to London and uh, hopefully providing our partners more flexibility where we can issue prime paper where necessary. We can support and take risk on the Lloyds line slip and offer our superior claim service, which is evidenced by Prime's own loss ratio for the past 10 years. I believe that claims is the key to success in our business. That's really the only thing we do that adds value. Obviously, you can be a good underwriter, and if the claims falls apart, the underwriting's a waste of time. If you're a good underwriter, you need to balance the scale with good claims. So again, we're excited to bring superior claim service to the Lloyd's marketplace and offer the ability to share risk alongside them as we manage the claims. Well, thanks so much, Rick. And I'll make sure there are all the right links in the podcast notes and let's get on with the podcast. Tim, first of all, thanks so much for giving us some of your time. It must be a very, very busy time for you. Can you give me an idea about how hard the US excess and surplus lines market is right now and how it compares perhaps to other hard markets that you've known in your career? Well, first, Mark, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here today and really enjoy getting together with you. And I'll certainly uh, jump on the first question here. The market's definitely firming. We're into the fourth consecutive quarter of an increase in surplus lines, P&C tax filings, 
and that's our most accurate barometer of the market firming. So to give you just a little bit of a gauge, when the market is at its softest point, the non-admitted market is at about 1% or 2% of the commercial PNC market in the U.S. And today it's closer to 14 or 15%. So it's fully firm and increasing every month. We are looking at uh, record numbers of volume coming into the channel, and it looks like it'll continue well into next year. And that 14, to put it in context, is that hitting some kind of historical high? Yes. I believe the all-time record was in 2002 when the non-admitted marketplace for PNC in the U.S. was at 15%. So for anyone listening, that context is one of the hardest markets in anyone's living memory. Is it a similar experience right now in terms of pricing and what's happening or just an all-round difficulty in getting business placed? In some ways, yes, but in others, not so much. And there are some differences between the firm market of 2002 and certainly from 85, 86. You know, 85, 86 was maybe the hardest market of all time in terms of capacity and capital in the non-admitted space. Very different and unique hard market all by itself, where 2002 was really a volume change not so much a price correction or a niche firming phenomenon. It was more an acceleration. We went from 1% of the commercial market to 15 in less than 18 months. So just a massive shift in flow. But back then, there were literally thousands of intermediaries. There were lots and lots of national wholesalers. And it should be noted that the largest wholesaler in the U.S. at that time was only a billion in premium. So very fragmented and a diluted intermediary environment compared to today. And to put that in context, that mid-80s hard market was almost one where you couldn't actually get things placed. And that's the one that, that led to the Bermuda excess casualty lines with Ace and Excel, for example. Are you saying that today you can still get things placed? Yes. Today, very different than 85, 86. We're not having any difficulty getting quotes and getting risks placed without exception. It's just price and terms, which are dramatically changing, led by the 10 or 12 main segments, if you will, that are niche firming and continue to firm. So the typical loss leaders in the reinsurance community, that really starts it. The reinsurance continues to firm. Carriers are forced to either non-renew the business and or change the rates significantly and tighten up the terms and conditions. You're saying that there's not really a problem with capacity itself, but it's just that it's the price and the terms and conditions at which that capacity will be traded. That's correct. And to add to that, it takes a lot more players, a lot more companies to build these vertical towers in property and casualty in the firmer niches of business. But the capacity is available. So if anyone's saying to me that the market is failing in any way in any particular class, you'd say that's not correct? I would agree with that statement. I know it's difficult to talk in sort of sweeping general terms, but overall, what sort of feel do you have for the risk-adjusted price increase across the book that you're seeing? Well, I believe that many, many carriers, starting with the admitted big brand companies, need the rate. I mean, we're looking at record losses from covid lots of negative impacts from social inflation and these nuclear verdicts.
just a lot of damage to the balance sheets of big standard companies, causing them to shed their most unprofitable business first. And that comes into our channel. And that trend is continuing. And the combined loss ratios of many admitted standard carriers continue to escalate. And that really is the trigger for the dumping and the shedding of business that ends up in the non-admitted channel. Is the most common new inquiry something that's been completely dumped and probably a typical risk that may well have been previously written 100% in the admitted market? Habitational business comes to mind. Much of that business was, in fact, in the standard market, the admitted side, for the past two decades. And for the last four consecutive quarters, that has increased significantly pouring into our channel not just on the casualty side, but on the property side as well. So what's your gut feeling? How long do you think that this is going to continue? Do you think we're going to be pushing into the 20% for market share in excess and surplus lines, not omitted lines? That's a great question, Mark. You know, I'm not certain about that. I do believe that it will uh, extend well into next year, but uh, our industry is so very resilient, as you know. Carriers are recovering, and uh, these large Brand companies on the admitted side are filing rates and terms as we speak so they can make adjustments. And I have a lot of confidence that they'll be able to perform a little bit better as we go into next year. And so we look for the market to stay fairly firm and uh, ENS challenges from coast to coast. But uh, I don't know beyond that. It's, uh, that's a great question. And how's your business been able to gear up in the last 18 months? for example, knowing that this has been coming. And I mean, how much more work is it for you guys, the difference between placing something 100% with one carrier and now having to layer a placement with 15 carriers and three different layers, for example, and of course, be negotiating and renegotiating terms and conditions and deductibles and sublimits and all sorts of things. How much more work is it for you guys? And how much, give me an idea of how much you've scaled up in the last year. Well, when we spoke uh, early last year, we believed the firming was inevitable. After 16, maybe 17 consecutive years of rate reduction and softening in the market, we believed the firm market and the change in the cycle was imminent. And in fact, it uh, started in the fourth quarter last year. So really for the last few years, we've been gearing up for a change in the marketplace. So hiring, expanding, acquiring talented individuals, teams, and companies was always part of the strategy. And being able to absorb large surges of business in the higher hazard classes of business has always been on the forefront of our minds. Performing for the retail broker clients and executing for our markets, that partnership has always been our focus. And so today, retail brokers and agents across the country are counting on us. Insureds are counting on us to perform at the highest level, and we're very well positioned to do that. We've been in business nine and a half years, and we have over 3,300 employees. We were hiring hundreds of new account executives, broker assistants, technical assistants every month last year, gearing up for this. So we're able to absorb it. I believe our service is, is top decile uh, today, but I'll let our clients confirm that. But uh, we're getting great grades and, and compliments from them. And 
it is a lot more work, but we're up for the challenge and we're excited to create more value for our clients. I suppose the, the ultimate vote of confidence is when they keep coming back for more, Tim. I was wondering, in hard markets, it's the broker's job. And like in the mid 80s, it was the broker's job to go and find capacity or even create capacity where it wasn't before. I know within the wider RSG group, you have that capability with Ryan Ree. Have you felt demand to go and do some of that and actually try and bring new capacity to bear to help solve your client problems here? We have, Mark. We've done exactly that. The plan from the beginning and Pat Ryan's vision was to create proprietary product and to create facilities and programs MGUs, MGAs, and binding authorities that could deepen, you know, the product on our shelf for our customers and allow us to diversify and create new innovative solutions for our clients. So we're very well positioned there. We have over 30 MGUs. We have over 80 proprietary programs and products, and they're all designed to be executed and implemented in the higher hazard channels. So they complement our broking practice group verticals. And that was all part of Pat Ryan's design. And today, more than ever, creating products and solutions has become a very significant part of our value add. And you've got some capacity like Geneva Re. What are the challenges of focusing a vehicle like that to help solve some of your client problems, particularly if they're high hazard? Well, it's kind of an indirect way. It's been a just a huge home run for us. It's a reinsurance MGU, as you know, the combination of Ryan Re and Geneva Re. And it's an underwriting facility. And our customers are identical to the customers we have on the broking side. And so it's just another way we can interact with our clients, our retail clients, and perform for them. And then provide product and services for our markets who need the treaty reinsurance. So it's been a big success and we look forward to expanding that and creating more value there. You cover such a broad swathe of risks and different classes of business. Where are the best opportunities right at the moment where you wish you had more staff and just more markets and and could do as much business as as possible? Well, I don't really have a segment of business, believe it or not, where I feel like I'm understaffed. We're in great shape. We're performing at the very highest level in the wholesale market today. But I would say this, that while there's some silver lining with this epidemic, we're all really going through some tough and challenging times, staying safe and being careful with our employees and their families and and our customers and markets. We're able to focus. The silver lining might be that we're able to focus and our execution and our ability to perform has really heightened and our productivity has heightened. But we're all missing interacting with one another. We're missing engaging with our clients and our markets, and we're anxious to get back to it hopefully sometime next year. But uh, in the interim, thank goodness for technology. We were very, very well positioned to work remotely before this even started wholesalers and MGUs and binding authority professionals were very much accustomed to traveling extensively and and getting out on the road and working remotely. So it was not a difficult adjustment for us. And in fact, our productivity has increased. So it's, it's going well. We have plenty of depth and breadth across the country 
to really perform at the highest level uninterrupted. For many of us, we've realized that digital technology has been the absolute savior of many of our industries, including mine. Has it really been a savior for you guys in terms of, and has it changed the way you've worked in any way? Or are you still doing a lot of phoning or are you using a lot more electronic placing than you did before, for example? Well, we were in a very, very strong position, technologically speaking. We had electronic trading that had already been implemented on small commercial business, binding authority business. Our professionals in the field were well-equipped technologically, so we really haven't missed a beat. It's helped us all submission activity, marketing activity has been electronic for quite some time now. So that really allowed us to move quickly and swiftly into moving really a record-setting volume amount in submissions. So that really didn't affect us too much. We've been able to handle it. How are different markets stepping up? You don't have to name individual names, but for example, are you sending more business to London? Are you sending more business to Bermuda? If it's a situation right now where it's kind of all hands to the pump and all capacity is required, are you doing more business with international markets now? I would say yes, it's increased. London's been a tremendous partner, Lloyd's in particular, and then the Bermuda markets, very supportive and have always played a major role in non-admitted placements. So we count on them. But as you know, they've come on shore and they have several numerous direct facilities here in the U.S. for wholesalers, and we support them as well. And they're well entrenched in the binding authority business. They're probably the number one binding authority market in the U.S. with their challenges. And every market has challenges now. They've had to cut back on some capacity and we've relied even more on domestic markets and the binding authority space, but it's going well. While they're restructuring, they're holding their own, performing very well for us, and uh, you know, just a terrific partner. We've only seen a small amount of new capacity raised, specifically focusing on the ENS market out of that class of 2020. Some of it's perhaps more reinsurance focused or London market focused. What's your gut feeling for that? emerging class of 2020, do you think it's a long opportunity or do you think it's something that they might have to want to be in and out quickly? And also, is that new capacity really needed and really welcomed by you with open arms because you know you can put it to good use straight away? It's a very good point, Mark. It is slow to emerge and slow to enter the market. And I think part of that is there's a real shortage of top decile underwriting talent and everyone's fighting for it. So I think that has to be part of the slow emergence of new non-admitted P&C players in the market. So it's um, one thing having the money, the other you still need the people to put the lines down and to do the, the underwriting because it's high hazard underwriting and it's specialized. Absolutely. And the flow is unprecedented. So I believe that is attributed to the talent, the shortage of talent and specialized talent in the U.S. marketplace. But we welcome them. We're excited to have some of these new players enter the market, especially when they come into the non-admitted PNC space and they're able to attract the underwriting talent that's necessary. Would you say one way around that labor problem is to make sure that those underwriters can write bigger lines and then get them the capacity that they need to write, perhaps double the size line in a situation where everyone's cutting their lines quite drastically? Would that be a way around the problem? Well, it certainly would help them and help us and help these insureds if we did have more capacity and more significant lines to contribute. So we look forward to that. It really is inevitable that the firming 
flattens out at some point in time and then slowly recedes and softens as we have known the cycle to be over decades. It's been going on for well over 100 years. Tim, I just want to congratulate you on the deal you've just completed with All Risks, another amazing Ryan deal. What's your plan in terms of integrating All Risks and RT Specialty? Well, thank you, Mark. I really appreciate that. Uh, We're just thrilled to have merged and acquired with Nick Cortese and Matt Nichols All Risks. They were absolutely the most coveted acquisition in the specialty, non-admitted space, And we are very fortunate enough to have a very similar culture and an attraction to one another. And uh, they've been officially with us now for 30 days, and it's just been exhilarating. We have so much more depth and breadth now in areas like binding programs, MGUs and MGAs. And as you know, Nick Cortese and Matt Nichols are heading that up now for us. So underwriting Delegated authority is such a big part of our platform today and a big part of our future plans. So it's been just delightful to work with them and all the talented professionals at all risk. And how's it going to go on the broking sides then, Tim? Well, they had hundreds of top-notch broking specialists across the country that geographically really fit well with us and complemented us. And so they strengthened us in lots of markets across the country. And at a time when all wholesale intermediaries and binding authorities are challenged in absorbing the increase in flow while performing at the highest level. So All Risks joined us and partnered with us at a time when we really needed them. And together, after just one month, we're really seeing a new trajectory in our volume that we've never seen before. Pat was on the program a couple of weeks ago, and he was saying that that means that if you keep your directory up, you might probably be the top uh, PNC wholesale broker in the US. Would you agree with him? Or are you going to? You think you'll get there quicker? I believe it's an inevitable now. You know, we uh, focus as much on being the best as we do being the biggest, but those two work together very nicely in a wholesale commodity business like ours. So we need to be big. We need to be strong. And we need to be deep, but we need to maintain the highest level of executing and our performance. So we're doing that. We're balancing that well now, but uh, we're in an industry that is in continuous change. And the consolidation of the use of intermediaries by retail brokers continues to challenge us in a positive way. So we feel really good about the position that we're in, Mark. With this all risks deal, do you think the consolidation in the wholesale broking space in the US is done now, or do you think there's always more? I think there's probably always more. Lots of uh, talented individuals emerge and smaller regional platforms that become attractive around the country. And, and there's lots of private equity money in the space. There's other roll-ups that are taking place in, in the ENS brokerage and binding space. So there's lots of competition and hundreds of boutique binding authorities that remain in the U.S. So I think uh, the consolidation will continue. Retail brokers and agents will continue to RFP intermediaries and consolidate their use of intermediaries while they're consolidating. And there's lots of roll-ups in the retail world. So never a dull moment, always a challenge for us, but uh, never been more opportunity. 
in the non-admitted space. Tim, thank you so much for this. In fact, you know that meeting I had with you 18 months ago was the first canary in the coal mine of the hardening market. You spoke about the admitted lines perhaps getting ready to sort of dump some of the business that it had been writing for the last couple of decades out back into the wider world. I really, really appreciate you giving me the time during what must be very busy times, just getting things done. And I'd love you to come and report back and let us know perhaps when that admitted market starts to regain some of its appetite and it'll start uh, eating back into your market share of commercial. Thank you so much for your time. I've really, really enjoyed talking to you. And uh, hopefully you'll let me come and pick your brains again on all sorts of specifics about the US market. Well, thank you, Mark. It's always a pleasure to connect with you. And we appreciate uh, your interest and reporting on our industry. Thank you so much, Tim. Thank you, Mark. Well, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you did, don't forget to subscribe or leave a like or a review or recommendation on whatever podcast platform you used to access this program. These really help get the word out. Thanks for listening. And once again, big thanks to today's supporter, Claims Direct Access. Before we go, just a quick reminder that advertising slots are available here and in other places in the Voice of Insurance podcasts. Podcasting is the fastest growing medium and attracts a high quality audience of key decision makers. It's also an intimate medium where you, the listener, are right in the room with me and the interview subjects. Needless to say, that means it's a great way of getting your message out directly to an audience because you know you've got their full attention. It's also very cost effective. So get in touch with Mark at thevoiceofinsurance.com to find out how you could be speaking directly to the industry. Voice of Insurance is produced by me, Mark Gagan. Music was written by Anna Gagan and produced by Carlos Gagan. Check out more podcasts and written comment pieces at www.thevoiceofinsurance.com. <laughs>